Of the 92 Best Picture winners, one must be crowned the bestest of the best. You're listening to The Quest for the Bestest from Backlog Banter. Your hosts are Timo Nelson, Tucker Hazel, Tanner Dykstra, and Abram Buner. You can find more of our content on YouTube and Twitter at Backlog Banter. Welcome back to Backlog Banter. Today, we're here for another episode of The Quest for the Bestest. I'm Timo. We got, we got uh, Abram, we got Tanner, we got Tucker. We are talking about this week, our assigned Best Picture winner uh, to watch was The Godfather Part Two. A miraculous random number generation <laughs> gave us mm-hmm. Godfather true- Part One and then Godfather Part Two. Card in the, card in the corner. Yep. Card in the corner. Back to back. Week to banter. Week to review. So before we get going, I think we should just have a little recap of what, what happened last week. We discussed Godfather Part last One. Last time on. Yep. The questiest for the bestiest. We talked about Godfather Part 1. We had interesting, intelligent discussion. And guess where it ended up? Godfather Part 1 ended up at the number one spot on our list of two movies. Wow. I wow. Think incredible. One other thing happened last week that we just, we need to address. There's been some pressure to address it, but I figure if we just get out in the open, it's better. Uh, we need to issue an apology to Francis Ford Coppola because Tucker used a still from Godfather Part 2 in the Godfather Part 1 thumbnail. Yeah, that's true. true. I've we... been thinking about about re-editing it and making that <laughs> Part 2 thumbnail and then making oh. another thumbnail for Part 1. Hmm. I've been considering it. I just but, I don't know if I have the Photoshop document for that thumbnail still. Sure, mm. but we you know we're, we're we're gentlemen of integrity here at Backlog Banter, so we wanted we wanted to apologize to Mr. Francis Ford Coppola, Sorry. Mr. Who, Marlon Brando. I know it's been hanging on him. Yes, <laughs> we especially want to apologize to Mr. <laughs> Marlon Brando, Mr. Marlon Brando. James Caan, we're sorry. Al Pacino, we're sincerely sincerely sorry. Robert Duvall, please don't sue me. Yeah. Uh, should we talk about The Godfather Part Two? Oh, good idea. <laughs> good idea. It's a movie we watched. Yeah. So, all right, let's let's put this out there first and foremost, okay? The, what are our experiences with this are? And I'm just going to get it out of the way. Tanner and I, this is each of our second time seeing it this year. This yes. year, we saw it twice, and it was our first time seeing it this year, so this is our second time. Whatever, you get it. And then yes. the other two schmuckleheads on the other side uh, had never seen it before, so this is a Correct. new experience for them. So yeah. it's going to be interesting seeing how our, our two cultures collide. I agree. So I heard that you, you two, Tucker and Tanner, watched it um, in two parts. Did you split yeah. it at the intermission? Uh, before the intermission. Yeah. Because the intermission's uh, not halfway through. It's, no, it's, it's, not it's, halfway. it's two hours through. Yeah. Um, I took an intermission break at the intermission, but I watched the whole thing all the way through. I watched it all the way through. Also, I'm going to be honest, though, I had a nine-course meal starting with fucking chips and some cookies and some <laughs> mandarin oranges. I had a chicken sandwich in there. I had some shrimp. I had all kinds of shit. So I took uh, some April, oranges. Breaks. Oranges, you said. Oranges. Oh, you shit. Oranges? I did. I did. I okay. had okay. four cups of mandarin okay? oranges. Since I pointed it out in the first movie, did you guys notice the oranges this time? Oh, Absolutely. yeah. I totally noticed. Absolutely. So many oranges. Francis Ford Coppola loves vitamin C. <laughs> he, he does. Loves scurvy. He loves no vitamin scurvy. C. And there's no I've... scurvy on the end of Godfather Part Two. <laughs> he might love vitamin C, but I fucking adore the Godfather Part Two. Oh, okay. We're actually because talking think, about it. <laughs> I think we've beaten around the bush quite long enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we should talk about the actual film. I was floored by it. I honestly, I was, I had a long day 
And I, and I was like, I looked at the runtime, like, Jesus Christ, three and a half hours. I really enjoyed The Godfather Part One, but I don't know if I have the bandwidth for this right now. Yeah. But I sat down and I was treated to, I think, one of the most magnificent stories I've ever seen unfold in cinema. And I think that that experience was strengthened by the fact that I had just watched Godfather Part One. So I was able to see the way that Ford Coppola was able to play off of his own story beats and his own tropes in the sequel. And I just think it is such a strong and effective and, and bold film. Yeah, I mean, you, you're probably the first one to say any of that. I, I don't, this film doesn't get any love. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I like The Godfather. I like Godfather Part 2 even more. Let me just put that out there. Mm-hmm. I prefer Godfather Part 2 over Part 1. And, and obviously, I guess that kind of clues you into where I, I wanted to go on the list. But uh, I am not as glowing as you are about it. I think it's a very good movie. I do prefer it to Part 1. But as I was watching it my second time through, I started realizing, much like my first experience with Part 1, both of them I gave four and a half stars on my first watch. Both uh, dropped about a star um, on my on a second watch because watching this through I realized that while I really appreciate the movie and I, and I respect it a lot I just do not care holy shit I don't care wow that's, that's uh, a strong take I liked a it strong take um yeah. I liked it on the whole I thought it, it was a fun movie I felt that it didn't you know meet I, like everyone who, who looks at that runtime on Amazon Prime as they are clicking the rent button and you're like all right I'm here we go. Three and a half hours. This is a movie. Um, I was, I was a little worried, but I I didn't quite feel the the length too much. The intermission really helps. Um, But I don't know. I'm, for me, it's hard to discuss without um, giving away my position on it. Give away your position. That's what this discussion is. Yeah, that's I I plan on giving away my position. All right. All right. Yeah. I put all, I plan to put it all out there. I like Godfather Part One better, actually, um, because discourse. Discourse. Wow, this is what it's all about. Um, to me, Godfather Part One was just like I don't. It, it felt. It felt more. It felt more like I could understand what was going on a little bit more. I'm having trouble with the words, but it, like Godfather Part Two was a more complicated story i think the plot had more characters they're more interwoven it had the flashback scenes i re- i actually really like the flashback scenes so those are definitely my favorite parts of the movie i just couldn't quite feel the modern elements so much as i could feel like just all the filmmaking elements working together in godfather part one um i'm gonna have to side with timo on this one i do prefer godfather to the godfather oh, part shit. two uh you know, for, for, for a plethora of reasons, uh, I think that this one just seems to be, like, pushing the bounds of its runtime more. It's only, it's only 20 minutes longer, but it feels longer than that. Uh, I, for one, on the rewatch this time, I liked the flashback sequences more, uh, but it could, I had a greater understanding for, like, what Francis Ford Coppola wanted to say with the parallel timelines. Um, I also actually prefer... Pacino's performance in part one to part two. I think this one is much more of an awards bait performance. You know, he's, he's much bigger and um, bodier, but in the first one, I feel like he, it's, his performance serves more of Michael's arc than it seems like he's trying to win an Oscar. Sure. I don't know if I felt that. 
Uh, but what I did feel similar to you guys is how incredible the, the the parallel structure is in the film. And I didn't like it initially when the film started with the flashback. I was like, I don't know if I'm feeling this. Um, and I'm, I still think that I'm a little bit shaky on how the film opens and actually how it closes. But other than that, I think that the way you watch um, Vito's rise as Michael, Michael falls and where Ford Coppola decides to transition between the storylines is so effective and i think that on a macro level i actually didn't feel the runtime as much as i did in godfather part one Mm. because i found myself really invested in the way the characters are being portrayed as you can watch michael subtly start to really lose his grip and then really really lose his grip from from the attempt on his life at the beginning of the film i was in and i think that it doesn't have the set piece moments. Tucker and I were texting about this a little bit. It doesn't have the set piece moments that part one had. It doesn't have the horse head in the bed. It doesn't have, look how you massacred my boy. It doesn't have those mm-hmm. things. But what it has instead is I think a slower and more deliberate story about these characters in a way that for me resonated more. Hmm. I really loved watching them unfold. And I loved how nuanced the performances from De Niro and Pacino were. I really think they both did an excellent job. So I've got specific scenes I want to point to when we get to certain points. Hmm. I'm going to offer my oop. Who's going first? You go, you go, you can go. Okay. I'm going to offer my perspective on, on why I prefer this movie over the first. Is I, saw, I talked a lot in the, in the last review about how I prefer the family aspect of, of the film with the, the entire, um, entire family, the Corleone family. Um, and I, I wasn't as invested in... Michael's rise as I was in Vito as a character. I, I prefer uh, Marlon Brando. I prefer the story of Vito. And this one obviously gives you a lot more of that. You get the origins of it, which I find a lot more interesting than any of the modern stuff. I, I, I love, I constantly kept pointing out w- with Tanner that the set design, the production design of that, that ni- early 1900s New York street. Oh, it's staggering. It, it's, it, it is really me. good. It it's is so really good. good. Yeah. And, and, lots and of, honestly, there's lots of orange stands. <laughs> there are a lot of oranges. Yeah. And honestly, that um, that set and area and and the characters that young Vito interacts with and seeing his story and his rise to becoming uh, trusted by the community and, and learning that he can use sort of more nefarious ways but still be a trusting person um, to get what he wants, um, I, I found that really interesting. And I also preferred Michael in this movie. I, I think that his story of becoming really into the godfather role where he sort of ended the, the first movie and ruining all his relationships with everyone around him to some to the umpteenth degree of uh, death um but that i found that more interesting and the aspect of him getting pulled into the legal system i found that a lot more interesting as well so i think all those aspects combined to make the characters a lot more engaging to me and, and improved over the first one and also i think the switches between the two timelines allowed me to feel like it was better paced because i really didn't feel the the runtime as much probably because it was set, essentially telling two stories hmm. i want to go back to a point that abram made about the the macro and the micro for me in watching godfather part two i got so caught up in the micro of who the characters were and what they were saying and what that meant that i missed a lot of the macro stuff like that transitions i really don't think i could tell you right now or uh, you know i don't remember like when the movie changed scenes like and why it did it just because i was so wrapped up in trying to figure out like okay now we're in cuba and we got hyman roth and he's doing this and it but maybe he's the he, he wants to kill michael but maybe he does and i was just like i felt that 
the, the story and its convolutedness made it a lot harder for me to like fully appreciate what all these characters are doing. I, I do get the, um, the rise and fall narrative. It's, it's in here. It's in the two separate stories, the rise of Vito and the fall of Michael. But for me, it just feels a little, it feels subtle to almost a too great degree where I'm not quite catching on, on like the beats every single time they happen. Whereas in the first movie, I really get the rise of um, Michael with the simultaneous fall of his morality. Well, I think for me, I think that's part of the reason why I liked it because I agree that the plot is fucking convoluted. It's complicated. But I think that's to the film's benefit because I think that part of the nuance to Michael's character that I love is how Pacino is able to portray outwardly the, the Michael Corleone who's confident and he's the godfather. But really, he's the Michael that feels that he's not living up to his father, that isn't really in control. He's this character that had his own path and that got fucked up. And now he's in the situation where he is not Vito. He wishes he was Vito, but he can't be. So for me, when I'm like, okay, hold on. So was it Frank or was it Hyman that tried to kill him? Hold on, wait a second. I, I, I connected with Michael on that level. I felt like I was in his position where there's this front being put up of, okay, we're confident, we know what's happening, but actually there are these moving pieces that are, that are difficult to parse out. And for me, that was part of the reason I love the feel of the film. I think it, it feels really good to watch, even if, even if some of the plot beats are hard to follow. I think they resonate well with the character arcs and with the audience as, an, as a result. Hmm. Tanner, uh, you have thoughts? Okay. Yeah, uh, I, I just want to go back to the, the parallel timelines because... Uh, yeah, it, it's it's similar to what we've kind of been talking about. But on my first watch, I did not care for it. I was like, Robert De Niro, do, you don't really. My see internet's it. bad right now. Sorry. Okay. You're back, by the way. Hi. Okay. You don't really see Robert De Niro set or young Vito setting up the Corleone crime family in the literal in the literal sense. Uh, and I I didn't like that on my first watch. In the second watch, I realized that it's more about how they interact with people, how those people help them set up their family, how those relationships dealt into how they run their business. You know, Vito, he's trusting of people more. Uh, he's, he, he's powerful, but he's not a jerk about it. Whereas Michael, he cuts ties left and right, like he has, like his main hobbies, burning bridges. And that's how they run their families. And that's what, that's what leads to the parallel of the rise and fall of the Corleone crime family. I will say that watching part two definitely um, got me interested to watch part three. I'm probably going to watch it, even if we're not going to discuss it or whatever, just because I am invested enough in the story that I care about how it ends. Yeah. And I, even as someone who, who doesn't connect to these movies, but still has a great deal of respect for them, I do want to watch part three, even though I've heard it, it's kind of a mess. I'm, I'm interested enough whether that's not as much as anyone else here, but I'm still interested enough to see what part three is and kind of just to say, Hey, I've seen the, the whole Godfather series. But um, I think that that is a sign of that part two kind of picked me up in terms of my interest in the characters and the world and the family. And, and I don't know where it goes after this because I haven't heard anything about part three, except for that it's kind of a mess. Do you know if they intended to make a part three while they were working on part two or did they make well, part two and then because it's based seemed, on a book. So I would it, bet that they didn't finish the story. In it seems like, though, with the time gap in between, it seems like they didn't intend to make. Because there was, this came out in 1974. I think 
part three was 1991 or something like 1990, that. 1990, I believe. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, what is that, a 15-year gap? It, it, it doesn't seem to me like they intended on making a part three, but... Because mm. I, could, I could excuse away a lot of the convoluted and like the, the, more, the stuff that I didn't quite like as it being like a middle film. Because middle films and trilogies often have to do a really much more difficult job of bridging these gaps between the two more... Um, like flashy acts. The second act is usually the one that like gets really slow and bogged down in like a traditional story. But when it's in a trilogy, that means your second movie is like that. And so if it wasn't intended for that, that makes me question um, some of some of the things that you know makes it makes me a little a little bit more difficult for me to excuse some of the parts that I don't quite like about it. Yeah. See, I, I personally, I don't, I will watch part three, but I'm not in a particular rush to it because for me, it's a story about father and son. And mm-hmm. we saw the father and now we see the son. Even if the son seemed to be more central to the first, that was really Vito's film. That was Michael coming into it. And then this is obviously Michael's film. So I think that the way the film ends for me, I, again, I would have cut it a little bit shorter. I would have cut it when he's smoking by himself at the table. But one of my favorite sequences that for me really tied together the two halves of the narrative is we had we had Michael's absolutely chilling murder of the five families in part one. Mm-hmm. And now here we have three just botched hits, which mm-hmm. I think is so clever and really speaks to the fact that this is the other side. This is the decline. It ends with with Michael completely removed. He's not smugly participating in a baptism he's in his home everyone's gone and he just had his brother killed and we had hyman roth run up on an airport and and the shooter got grabbed right away it's a mess and Mm -hmm. for me being left on that note i think is really powerful yeah um i would uh abram i'm gonna have to disagree with you that the godfather part one is Vito's film i i very much disagree Based, I'm gonna side with Al Pacino. Al Pacino should have gotten that Best Actor nomination over, uh, over Marlon Brando, just based on screen time, based on the fact that The Godfather Part One is, uh, Michael's. Even if it's the beginning of the story, it is him making, you know, falling out of the path that he had set for himself and into the crime family. So I very much think that The Godfather is Michael's story with sort of Vito still as that shadow figure. Uh, whereas in this one, I guess it's sort of the same. It's still Michael's film, and Vito is sort of a sort of a, a story that we go back to. You know, he's he gets obviously a lot less screen time. Robert De Niro does, but yeah, I think both films are Michael's film. It, it, it's a it's a trilogy about Michael. The reason I said that, and to ju- to just wrap this up, because I, I think Timo, you you have something you want to hop in with, but but what I for me everything Michael's character in in part one is informed by Vito. Mm-hmm. Vito's, Vito's hit being put in the hospital is what changes Michael's life. Michael actually, as a character, loses a lot of his agency in that film. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's why I, I think that is Vito's film. But here, this story is about Michael. And those, the shad- I think the shadowy figure idea fits a lot better here because looming in the back of Michael's mind, the same way it's looming in the, in the audience's mind, is this parallel narrative about his father rising as Michael's very much self-aware of his fall. So that's, that's why I draw the father and son uh, parallel. I see. Okay. Fair mm. enough. I, I, I can see that. So I wanted to go in a completely different direction oh. and um, talk about my, the satisfaction felt while watching because 
as this as we discuss this rise and fall narrative, which says you know people are rising and falling in both movies, um, I think that in the first movie we like Michael Corleone so much because we're seen he's portrayed to us as a sympathetic character, and so it feels good to see him succeed. To see him rise, we know he's bad, but we're not showing any of it. He's like portrayed sympathetically. We don't see any of the the real harm that's caused by his business. And similarly, we it's told Godfather Part Two is told from the same perspective, and yet the fall narrative just doesn't like as a viewer like like pretty service level. I think just doesn't feel as good to watch this character that I felt good about succeeding in the first movie, despite you know everything. See him fall. It just is like it's a little bit less satisfying hmm. yeah but i think uh i it's interesting if you listen to all you guys talk about all this but i think that the strength of this movie comes from the fact that you can analyze it from multiple directions in abram and i's eyes it, the movie is more about about it, the first one more about michael or, or Vito. you get to choose and you really can watch from multiple perspectives and essentially get d- different stories out of it which i think is very cool especially because it, it does have such a good balance of essentially two lead characters I want to jump off of what, what Tucker said and off of what Timo said in specific and talk about the idea of, of feel because to return to something I said earlier, I, I felt like I resonated with Michael and his confusion. For me, the moment that, yeah, we don't, the fall feels a little bit strange, but I think it's clarified for the audience the same time it's clarified for Michael in what I think is one of the most horrifying scenes in either film which is when Kay says it wasn't a miscarriage, it was an abortion. Mm. That's the, shock, s- the most shocking scene in any of the two movies. I would yeah. agree. It's, it's, Absolutely. Yeah. And it registers on Michael's face, I think the same time it registers for the audience. He fucked everything up beyond belief and that it just is what it is. He, he couldn't see it. He couldn't control it anymore. And for me, that was effective because I felt like you said, I was like, well, it seems like he's still doing his best. Like he's still trying to be a family man, right? And he's still trying to make these moves, even though he's botching these hits and things aren't going right with, with Hyman. But then that scene case, like, no, I will not. It was a, it, Michael, it was a boy. And I'm telling you right now, I killed him because I could not have another one of your sons. And that was such a harrowing moment in, in everyone's arc. And to see Al Pacino portray just that, that white hot anger, the shot where it cuts to him and his jaw is shaking is incredible. And for me, that's the sequence that solidified that I didn't have the problem you were having, Timo. Hmm. I agree. I think that scene is the, is the best scene in the movie. I think that's like, yeah. that's like, it's, it's at least emotional and intensity, like climax. I don't know if it's the climax of the plot or not, but it's, it's up there in terms of everything coming together. My personal favorite, we're just going to take us in a entirely different direction, but on the sure. same tangent is my favorite scene from the film is the one where, uh, where Vito in the past is killing Don Chichi. He's got that whole plan. He's gone on the, he's gone on the roofs. He's set up the plan with his friends earlier. He's been, the gears have been turning in his head and he, he's got the gun stashed and he got it timed to the, the light bulb being twisted and the, the gun in the towel. And then, disposing of it and timing it with the the music going on outside and also simultaneously get a really cool set design and and one of the set pieces of the movie um is is the fact that there's a whole parade going outside and you've got you've got the um shot following the uh the jesus statue that 
is covered. The top is covered and the bottom is covered. And I, I just love everything about that scene. Like there's not a lot from either of these movies that I really connect to, but that scene just, I, I absolutely love it. We got to give special mention to those veto sequences. Yeah. I mean, that is incredible filmmaking. It is incredible. And, and De Niro's portrayal, I think, is so nuanced. And at first, I wasn't crazy about how he's following Clemenza into the house. He's like, oh, you know, I'm just kind of hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> but as, as you watch him fit into that role, and then you watch him literally just negotiate rent. Mm-hmm. He, he has such an energy about him. And that's communicated so well. And it's just seamless the way that Ford Coppola and, and the entire studio production, the entire apparatus put together such an amazing compliment to Michael's storyline. That is just such good filmmaking. I think in De Niro's acting, it's really evident to see how he like took Marlon Brando's performance and like distilled it and de-aged it into this um, uh, like into his performance, you know? It, he made it seem like, yeah, like I totally bought that he was Vito Corleone just younger. The way he yeah. spoke, the way he acted, the, the like the tones, the 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 lines, everything was just delivered in like a super convincing way. You know, I don't want to feel like a, I don't want to seem like I'm super down on this movie because I still think this is a very very good movie. But the 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 way you guys talk about how this movie, that the feel of this movie, it just didn't hit that for me. I just thought it was I felt it was less compelling. I really felt the runtime during this watch especially during this watch three, even though we did have the, the, the break in the middle. I don't know. I, I don't know what it is about the Godfather part two, but it's just an inferior film to the Godfather for me. I think it's, I think it's Al Pacino's performance. I think it's, I think it is the set pieces. I think it is the, the cog of the, in the machinery of the family working together and the grander scheme of a, of all the crime families. I feel like that story is more, it's more, well, concise and concise and the godfather is you know they, they don't seem they should like they should work together but it is, it's more concise comparatively yeah, yeah to the godfather part two like we said the story is convoluted i think it points i think the a point to that fact is that we haven't talked about the story at all we've been talking about the themes and the characters and not tackling the actual plot of this movie so yes i i, I just wasn't feeling it the godfather part two i don't know what as it much is. as much good things as i've said about it i i feel similarly that I just it doesn't quite feel right in all all departments to me it's just it's like the while the flashbacks veto scenes are are a hit for me I feel like Michael's story is a bit of a miss Mm -hmm. we'll be right back after this message okay well this is actually very interesting all right we're in a strange position here Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. unless Abram is unless I'm wrong on Abram's perspective we're 2v2 right now I will but, put well, this is a list. One. Yeah, we yeah, have three exactly. on there now. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. It, has, it has three possible positions. Why I say 2v2 is because it's either uh, the two, the, me and Abram won at number one. Hmm. And, and I don't know if either of you won it above Parasite. Well, we should, but, um, we should, re- we should do a reveal. Yeah, let's yeah, do it. Shall we? Okay, who wants to go first? I'll let's, go first. Should we start with, with above Parasite? Should we start with that to, well, to solidify by... number two? Okay. See what I mean? Mm-hmm. Add some suspense. I like a little suspense. Well, okay. yeah, but I don't want. I don't like it more than Parasite. I would not put. I would put this at third, personally. But then, uh, because because well, I don't. Then, I didn't. Well, then we should just let's let's just go out with it. Does it yeah. go above Parasite? Raise your hand Raise if your it's hand. above Parasite. 
Wow. Holy we did it. We did <laughs> it, boys. Wow. I, I wow. got to say, when we, when we put in Parasite into the equation, I enjoyed Parasite way more. Parasite is a yeah. much more enjoyable film for me than Godfather Part 2. Um, even though there, it's similar <laughs> to Godfather Part 1, I think Godfather, I think, I think it just it goes at Look at this fucking, look at this smile. You boys He's got that shit-eating grin right my now. Fucking day, all right? Look, I, I, I like all the movies we've watched so far, but last week was such a blow to me, having to put <laughs> Parasite at number two. And it, uh, even though I prefer part two, I will take the loss of part two beneath, or at the bottom, if it means Parasite can, can beat a Godfather movie. So we must, we must let, our, um, let our man, Abram, Speak our, his esteem, mind. our esteemed colleague Abram. Yes. Yes. What did we do, Abram? Ambiter what did we do adventure. to your boy, Abram? What did we do to your boy, Godfather Part Two? You massacred my boy. <laughs> I don't it's, like uh, that at all. Wow. That was but bad. here's the thing: it was terrible. I've never done an impression before. I've hmm. never done it. Really? I can't get my uh, voice raspy enough. Uh, yeah, Abram. Abram you massacred my boy. I massacred my boy. You massacred my boy. But here's what I'll say. Because I, I wanted that number one. I mm. think this is one of the finest films I've ever seen in my entire life. And frankly, upon a rewatch, I can see us entering my top 10 films of all time. Interesting. I, I, I really feel like I've said my entire piece um, and to not really spend time restating myself because we're already going a little bit long. Mm. If you want to hear what I have to say, just watch the video again, but watch it on a different account so we get two views. Okay, and with that... Oh, Drum roll, we please. We're, well, well, we got to look at our graph. We got to look at our little oh, list oh. here to see. Oh. Calm down. Okay, I updated. Okay. I updated the uh, the letterbox list. If that means anything. All right. There it is. Godfather. Ooh, wow. At number Ooh. three, followed, following behind Godfather Part One and Parasite. And now yes. for the moment <gasps> you've all been waiting for. I'm really hoping for Godfather Part Three. I said this right before we <laughs> went live. I was more excited for the spin than I was for the discussion of the movie, and. Here it is. I have been waiting for this. The moment I've been waiting for. Okay. I'm just hoping for a movie I haven't seen before. <laughs> Same. I've got the spin wheel up. I'm clicking the button. It's going. What are we going to get? I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it. Oh, dear God. Oh, dear God. It's going. It's keep, it's, we, we're holding us in suspense. We got feel, uh, 31. Ooh. 31. Okay. All right. Let's see. Ooh, okay. This is definitely a different one. I'm not sure how many of you have seen this. I have. But hmm. 31 is the 1988 Barry Levinson film starring Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman. <gasps> Rain, Rain Man! Man. Woo! Rain Man. Rain Man. Any experience? No, I've I haven't seen, seen it. it. I've seen, seen it, it a long, long time ago. Okay, all right. This is going to be great. I'm excited for this. All right. Well, it's still one that I haven't seen, but also I've definitely seen the most best pictures out of anyone here, so definitely, I think that's going to happen a lot. Definitely going to be a good movie. Definitely going to be a good movie. And Don't mock people with mental disabilities. I'm mocking Dustin Hoffman's portrayal of a person <laughs> with disabilities. Oh, Lord. We're doing, okay. we're, doing a, we're doing an impression in every review from now on. Uh-oh. Okay. <laughs> so next week, we'll be back on our quest for the best. Best. Questest for the bestest with our review Name. of Rain Man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm very excited for that. We'll see yeah. you then. See Thank ya. You. Peace. Bye.